it never ends. You're never stopping a student. I think that's a life lesson for all things. But oh, absolutely. Certainly as an artist, I don't think you ever stop being a student. I want to mm. think about really enjoying and owning the moment. I want to think about what sort of legacy I'm going to lead, what sort of relationships I have. I'm doing that now so that when I hit 90, I go, oh, God, I wish I... I wish, yes. I, wish. I don't want any wishes. You know, there's no middle grounds on a lot of things, but on what it is to be human, the complexity of humanity can't be black and white. Welcome to the Seize the Yay podcast. Busy and happy are not the same thing. We too rarely question what makes the heart sing. We work, then we rest, but rarely we play and often don't realise there's more than one way. So this is a platform to hear and explore the stories of those who found lives they adore. The good, bad and ugly, the best and worst day will bear all the facets of seizing your yay. I'm Sarah Davidson, or Spoonful of Sarah, a lawyer turned fun entrepreneur who swapped the suits and heels to co-found Matcha Maiden and Matcha Milk Bar. Seize the Yay is a series of conversations on finding a life you love and exploring the self-doubt, challenge, joy, and fulfillment along the way. Welcome back, lovely neighborhood. Oh my goodness me, it is not settling into my brain that it's 2023, let alone the end of January. We had the loveliest, much-needed break, but we're back in a big way and have such an exciting year planned for you all. Our first in-real-life event is already booked in for the 16th of Feb for the Melbourne neighborhood to begin with. Now that we have Ange back on board properly to help with all of our neighborhood activities, so stay tuned in this episode and on socials for more details on that. On that note, you'll be getting a dose of Yays of Our Lives every fortnight from now on. And in next week's episode, we will follow up on Ange's huge revelations from her anonymous Q&A episodes, our reflections on last year, our hopes and dreams for this year, how we're feeling going into 2023, all that New Year, New Me type jazz. But for now, we have our first guest episode for the year. And as you'll hear, we are so lucky to have access to this incredible voice as it's a very precious one. We're starting the year on a musical note with the incredible Josh Pitterman, musical theatre performer and classical crossover artist who also just happens to be, at this very moment, the actual Phantom in the Phantom of the Opera. During my research, I read an older article where Josh was asked his biggest dream in the industry, and it was to play the Phantom. Nobody listening will be surprised that the way his pathier has developed since then makes me so very happy, not least because I actually have known Josh for quite a few years now. And even more true to CZA form is the fact that he didn't even fancy himself a career in the arts until later than you'd expect. Had a few diversions in his career along the way, including opening a fitness studio of all things, and so much more before finding his ultimate yay. And if you've heard him sing, you'll know he is exactly where he's meant to be. I found it so fascinating to hear all about what it actually takes to sing professionally, how to protect your voice. By the way, he doesn't speak outside of performing very often to protect that voice, so I'm very grateful that he used an hour on Seize the Yay, how he trains for shows and everything in between. So I hope you enjoy this one as much as I did. Josh Peterman, welcome to Seize the Yay. Thanks, Sarah. Thanks for having me, mate. I'm so excited. You are our first guest back for the new oh. I feel honoured, privileged. I feel honoured and privileged. We have known each other. I was actually trying to work this out last night. How long have we known each other? Many, many years. I don't even know how we met, but I feel like it's been many years and many chapters. Well, I think it's Matcha Milk Bar. I was just working it out on the way here. Really? Yeah. 
I think that's actually it. I think it's a green burger. Is it a green burger? Mm, a very good green burger. Oh, yeah. I mean, many a friendship blossomed and out a blue, of the green burger. And a blue algae latte. And a blue algae latte. <laughs> I mean, this is one of my favourite kinds of episodes because when you have known someone for a while and you've been able to follow lots of different chapters of their journey, it's so exciting to be able to show people that, you know, people who meet you now, you're in like the cream of the crop roll. You're doing what I know has been a dream for you for a really long time. It would be really easy to think you always knew you'd end up here, that you woke up like this, that there was no, you know, there were no twists and turns along the way, but we've kind of been there for quite a few of each other. So it's really cool to A, have been there then, but B, be able to see how much you're flourishing now. Thank you. And it is funny that people do just think that oh, you, you rock up one day and you can just do all that. You can just oh, yeah, rock up one day and play the Phantom and that's like that's, yeah. where, that's where it all starts. Yeah, at the Opera House. Yeah, no at the less. Opera House, yeah, yeah. Or in London or whatever. It just doesn't work like that. Yeah, but. and it's always like such a joy when you've been able to see even a small part of someone's, it was an overnight success but like 10, 20 years in the making, to have been there for any of that is so exciting because it's even more thrilling when you get to see you doing it now. It's like, yes, yeah. he has worked so hard for this. Yeah, and there are so many trials and trips and with, with everyone's journey and mine included and yeah, the roller coaster ride of it all. And then there's something that I feel that is not unique and that is just really like just discipline and hard work mm. for a really, really long time. I think that's like old fashioned now sometimes I feel like. Yeah. They're like, you know, I think we live in a society of like immediacy and, and entitlement gratuity. and yeah. that and people, you know, so many opportunities for overnight success. Yeah. Whether that's sustained success remains to be seen and sometimes it works for people rarely but often it doesn't but there are so many opportunities especially in talent you know the voice or x factor australia's got all these sort of shows all around the world that like throw people into the spotlight so quickly give them this like sort of instant stardom sadly not a lot of those things continue on for people so i've always taken the traditional route and i've never gone on one of those things and always wanted to just like slow burn it to a point where i'm proud of what I'm doing. I'm proud all the way, but like, you know, to, to reach a, a goal. Like, mm. yeah. So I'm, I'm glad it's, it's worked out. I love that so much. And the great privilege on this show is the ability to, in a longer form, Chad, to actually go back to the very beginning and trace through all those chapters of your life and remind people like you had to start at school one day. You know, everyone was a kid once with hopes and dreams and particularly in the arts and, as you mentioned, in talent. You know, so many people start with big dreams as kids but most people drop those dreams mm. of going into the arts because it is so difficult, it is so competitive and it's not your conventional like, you know, the career pathway isn't necessarily as straightforward as other jobs. So yeah. it's, it's amazing that you've been able to actually keep going through that. So I would love to take you all the way back to the start and kind of trace through the chapters it took to get you there with a couple of diversions that I was also there for into fitness, like yep. all kinds of things. But the very first question I always break the ice with is what the most down-to-earth thing is about you. And I feel like I did not expect a Western Bulldogs tattoo <laughs> to be the first thing that Kane spotted when you walked in and sat down yep tell us about it so it was a dare no yeah but it's a long-term dare like when i was like 14 (laughs) you know mates would say oh yeah if you win you know just because the bulldogs are like notoriously not a team to win the premiership i mean pre-2016 it was 1954 so yeah i'm a d supporter so i totally there with you yeah so it's a safe dare second to that was something far more emotional my dad and I have always gone to the footy together since probably the mid to late 90s. Okay. So, I'm 37 now. So, 
from the age of maybe 11 or, or 12. That was dad and Josh time. Yeah. So, you know, we started really for us when, when the Bulldogs moved to what was then Optus Oval at Princess Park, Icon Stadium now. They were there for a couple of years between Witten Oval and what was Colonial Stadium, which is now... Oh, my God, uh, Colonial? Colonial. What a throwback. Uh, yeah, yeah, which now was <laughs> called Docklands. Marvel. And so that was our time together. In 2013, Dad was diagnosed with cancer and I was performing in the UK at the time. And Dad's a, a doctor, professor of medicine. He's, you know, patriarchal for our family. Those people don't get ill. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like in your in your mind, they just... Yeah. And your heart, they're always there. He's such a beacon. He's so strong. He's the advisor. He's the wise one. To see him have frailty was hard. Yeah. The cancer sort of expanded in 2016. We, we weren't sure what was going to happen next and what drug was going to be available, drug wasn't working, whatever. And so in my mind, that could have been the last time we went to the footy together, that grand final. And so, yes, it was a dare to get this tattoo, but it was also for me, a reminder of a potential reminder of that time with my dad. Now, I love we, that so yeah, much. I love that too. My dad didn't because he's the son of Holocaust survivors who have oh my tattoos on them. <laughs> so he's and, like, it's and a so hard that no. was like he loved it and hated it at the same time. I think still does or whatever. But for me, it, it's it's a reminder. And thankfully, he got on a trial drug, and the trial drugs has kept him going for another you know six or so years. He still battles through every day, but we still got him, and that's the oh, that's beautiful thing about him. News. So it's always a reminder of of just my journey of going to the footy each week with my dad and what that means for my relationship with my dad. So, oh, it, that's so which special. I never really get to explain. It's just like I've got a bit of bogan on my ankle. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I love that we literally <laughs> diminished it to a, a bogan tattoo for a dad. Yeah, yeah. But this beautiful so, story. So it is it. really beautiful. I don't often share it because. Oh. You know, that, yeah, but I think it's appropriate to share. You need a little yeah. postcard that's yeah. like got an explanation. Anytime anyone asks about it, just be like, just read. Just just read the background. What <laughs> like I a will, brochure. What, I think what sums it up is that day when we won the premiership, I took a sort of selfie video as the siren went and I was just in tears. Somehow we'll get that video. I'll get that to you. And yes. It is so, yeah, it was really, really emotional. It's just dad and I and I give him... Sorry, oh, I gave him the biggest hug and kiss and it's just, um, yeah, it's just a lot. So, I hope, yeah, people get to see that, yeah, because, oh, oh my God, sorry. That's um, totally so really truly it. Um, Yeah, but it's beautiful. Yeah, I love my dad a lot. Yeah. Oh, my God. Oh, well, I'm so, so pleased to hear that the, the medication is working. Yeah. That's yeah. wonderful news. It is. Oh, my gosh, and so much more than a bogan tattoo. So much more than a bogan <laughs> tattoo. <laughs> That's going to be uh, the name of your book. So much yeah. more than a bogan tattoo. <laughs> there we go. I love that. Oh, well, thank you so much for sharing no that. No worries. We went deep dive so quick. Well, no, I'm like a minute three and a half. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but that's actually really, really interesting as a place to start, having a dad who is a doctor and even more so as a child of Holocaust survivors and, you know, being them being your grandparents as well. Tell us about your childhood and what that was like and if you did have any expectations of the life you would lead and the career you would have or what you would become. Yeah, no expectations of being in the performing arts. Grew up in Camberwell till I was 12, moved to East St Kilda at the height of prostitution. <laughs> um, I just Love remember, that for you. Yeah. Grey Street. <laughs> yep. So I just remember moving in day and I was like, who are those women on House Street? Ah, 
yeah, I learned about that real quick. Yeah. So <laughs> just random interruption. I was at the Australian Ballet, but before that, I was at the National Theatre. Right. Around the same era. And our parents, when they had to come and pick us up, like they locked the doors and they had to do a little code because it was like, you know, junkie prostitute era of St Kilda. Yeah. It was in its intense era. Someone was telling me a story recently about how their dance troupe would do their shows at the National Theatre and the girls would come out after doing the show like fully, fully made up. And people and would think that they were They had to like the whisk them away. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, so that's where I, I grew up and went to school at Wesley College. Was very sporty and quite academic at the start of, of school and, you know, we just wanted to be a good student and be a good sportsman, really. Music didn't play it much of a part in really? my life. Really? Not at all. I played a bit of guitar. Mum and Dad made me have piano lessons growing up when I was like five. I wasn't really interested in it. But it helped me because it enabled me to have music as a second language, you know, yeah. that, that I can I can read and whatever. But just wasn't really into it. Like sport was so dominant. Tennis, cricket, footy, basketball, all of that. So just like really typical sort of jockey, you know, Melbourne <laughs> boy. But yes, grew up with parents who were the, the kids of Holocaust survivors. And so that played a big part in my life, you know, like going to Shabbat dinners on Friday nights mm. and hearing those stories. And so like there was a, not like a religious Jewish upbringing, but certainly a sort of traditional like secular Jewish upbringing, bar mitzvah and all that sort of stuff. Did you have a bar yeah, mitzvah? Yeah, 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 yeah. All, all of that. Yeah. Wow. Yep. Um, had the function at Rip and Lee. I was going to say, of... they're all Leonda, like there's two places yeah, that, that everyone has them. <laughs> but I swear to God, there was a lot of 12-year-olds who were drunk. I was like... Wow. Yeah, that wasn't, yeah, I think inappropriate things happened at that, that bar mitzvah. So <laughs> and yours or everyone's? No, just like, yours. No, mine. It was a lot of gardens and like a lot of like, I just remember like kids like sneaking under the alcohol tables, like grab stuff oh and then gosh. like race into the gardens. Like, you're 12, you're 13, what are you doing? Like, calm um, down. Calm down. <laughs> um, anyway, that, that was a time. So, so, no sort of thoughts about that. It wasn't until like in terms of my music journey, year 10 got really into Michael Jackson. Which is now like, you know, are you allowed to get into my? I know. Jackson? I'm like, are you cancelled? Oh God, are you cancelled? Don't it's cancel. It's very difficult, isn't it? It's a very difficult time. Can we? Can we not be that binary? Like, can we not? I agree. And, and like, like separate the, the artist yes, from the yeah, uh, yeah. It's still yeah. bangers galore. A hundred percent. Still tearing but up I, on the dance floor. But I feel like you don't hear as much Michael Jackson as you used no, to hear. Absolutely like, not. Airways don't play it, and like, yeah. No. Anyway, I have um, also read that your favorite dance move. Is the moonwalk. Yeah, yeah. So I learned how to moonwalk. Yeah. Right. Basically, I had to learn how to That's moonwalk. That's actually documented on the internet, I yeah, will yeah. say. Yeah, oh, Many times. <laughs> Did the moonwalk in the school camp. <laughs> got tapped on the shoulder by a guy called Dawson Han who had been directing the school musicals. Fabulous English teacher and human. But he directed the school musicals at Wesley for 30 years or whatever. And he said, you could be really useful. And I was like, sure. Like, I'll do that. The sporty um, jock is yeah, like, Yeah, but I was sure. always like definitely a yes man. Okay. Um, okay. And seize his yay. And so, yeah, seize the yay and moonwalk for, you know, the panel and sing some stuff. And so I did fame the musical and just was like, this is awesome. I'm going to change my chemistry and maths and potential study of medicine or physiotherapy or something in that world and just like focus on arts. So year 12 comes around and all I can think of is like, what's the school musical? It's Jesus Christ Superstar. I played <laughs> Judas and it was, oh, it was terrible on reflection. Now that is what I would like some footage of. I would love some footage that. of it. There is a DVD of it somewhere. <gasps> there is. I have to get my hands on it. Please because, do. Because it's terrible. Like I just remember some like seeing that DVD at like sort of when I was early at uni 
watching it with some people in my year. And I spent so much of the show in like a sumo squat. Like, <laughs> why was that my choice of position to sing in? Just like this sort of sort of desperate, like yearning, but sumo squat. Maybe so, you were trying to like open your lungs, like some, maximal it was like planting some, in the ground. It was bum chakra. That's what it was. It was like real root chakra stuff. Anyway, so I just, anyway, I loved it. Decided that's 100% what I want to do. Audition for all the academies and stuff. Got into the one that's in Ballarat and then sort of began my artistic journey. But I wasn't a singer or an actor or a dancer. Like that I just was really passionate wild. about all of it and was taking in all this new information about it all like, oh, my God, like Les Miserables, Phantom of the Opera, all these like West Side Story, all these musicals. Wow, wow, wow. Like it's just like taking it all in. Like it was, I was like a new sponge, whereas everyone else in the, academy who got in there's probably one other guy similar to me but everyone else had been like whether into musicals or not they're into singing dancing and acting yeah Yeah. and they had been doing it for a long time so I was way back that was one of my main questions do you think that you have to be I mean now hearing your voice I don't think that you could learn that like you can hone it but you must have had a voice box to sing but do you think you're born with those skills or do you think that you can come into it as a total outsider and then grow those skills because I think you turns quite late in, yeah. in in the performing well, arts world yeah, really I was I think I was like 16 when I first like sung so two things I don't think it's that once again I don't think it's that binary I think if you are musical yeah in some sense and you have an understanding of pitch and like can hear things on the radio and copy it or you've played a bit of an instrument before and you have an understanding of musicality you can definitely teach singing yeah you can definitely like there's a lot of science in it wow yeah so you can definitely learn how to do that but i'm lucky well i've learned subsequently years later i'm lucky i took part in a phd research for a voice pathologist (gasps) who was like so i had to get my cords scoped and stuff and she goes oh well, you chose the right career because the structure of your cords means that they're long but thick, which basically means that thickness will create more richness, length will create height. So it means you can sing high but with a rich sound. So it like it lends itself to classical tenor singing. So whoa, but you but found that out afterwards. Yeah, yeah, but it, like you need to train that living buggery out of it. Yeah, wow. But yes, it was there. Yeah. So like Pavarotti doesn't rock up one day and just. Dude, I mean, he's no longer here, but like, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's in my eyes the greatest tenor ever. It's training, it's training, but we see the fruits of labor. Yeah, you know, we're not there listening. My neighbors are there over the listening years. To listening you to all the oh my god, <laughs> they things. get a free concert every night. Yeah, they got free all sorts. They got free <laughs> cracks and you know what we call like testy blowouts and just like, <laughs> like all of that Scooby Doo, like all of that. So they got plenty of that in the early years, but yeah. So oh it, it's gosh. been a, a process of learning and education and having great teachers and trusting those teachers and trusting when it's time to move to the next teacher and yeah. Wow. And I still have see a coach and still have a teacher and it never ends. You never stop being a student. I think that's a life lesson for all things. But oh, absolutely. Certainly as an artist, I don't think you ever stop being a student. This is so fascinating to me. Like my favorite thing ever on this show is the privilege of being able to tap into a niche community where to you, the terminology, the pathway, even like the differences between a tenor and a soprano and an alto and a bass, like all of that language is really familiar to you. But to people who 
have no musical background, mm-hmm. see oh, you doing Phantom or see you at the tennis or see you at, you know, doing all the incredible things you do, probably think that you woke up singing one day and someone yeah. went, oh, you can sing, go sing there. Yeah, they and it's just not that. Yeah. yeah but it's the same <laughs> but as, I love this. It makes me so excited. But I don't think it's the same as anything. I just think people see the arts as some foreign thing that is only select group of people who are born that way can do it. But, like, it's no different to an athlete. Like, I don't think, you know, I watch Nadal. Um, <laughs> and you're yeah. like, that's the me of tennis. <laughs> well, in some ways, I'm sort of gritty and dogged and like I've worked my bum off and always on the defense. But like he doesn't just pick up a racket and do that, yeah. you know, at some age. And then he, like it's workmanship and work and work and work and, and devoting of your life to that and the sacrifices yeah. that you do, you know, like. You know, I said to you at the start, what you were like, what things don't you want to talk about, Josh? Relationships. I'm like, my relationships have suffered so much. You know, I've had divorce and separations and all sorts of things in my life because for all all sorts of reasons, but ultimately, like, my career is something that is, I think, is really hard to be with at at times. Yeah. You know, I'm traveling around the world. I'm very transient. You know, it's eight shows a week when you're in a musical playing a lead role like The Phantom. And you can't, like, you don't just rock up and play the Phantom. You, as soon as I go home, I'm steaming my voice. I don't speak until probably, like, midday the next day, really, normally. You know, like, I, it's so a slow, slow warm-up throughout the day. I don't really socialize. I don't go out at night. I don't speak on the phone very much. It's it's all of these, You like, need this phone cover. Don't call me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sort of, I'm sort of that guy. Um yeah, there's like I have to watch what I eat. I have to hydrate in certain ways. Yeah, I have to course. move my body in certain ways. Like this is so much, you know, preparation for each night and recovery from each night. Yeah, you've got to do it eight times a week. So, it, like that's a lot. That's a that's a lot to undertake, and for to be a partner of that, it's really hard. Yeah, you know, absolutely. So. That's the stuff you don't think about. You just think. I think you're right. They think we can so easily understand sport as something you could have a natural talent in, but completely understand that elite sportsmen or Work sports people are training all the time. And if they're not training, they're losing that skill and they're yep. not honing it. But it's the same. It's the same with this. For I, some I reason, feel like we don't think it is. Though. Is like the sport of the arts. Yeah, I don't think we think of it that way though. I think we think you're good at it. You live and breathe it. You get up. You do it. Yep. You know what I mean. I don't think people understand. You're also it's the equivalent. You're training. You're preparing. You don't just get up and do it because it appears that you do. But it's the same as sports people, I guess. They turn up at the Australian Open and you think, oh, they just, there yeah. they are. They just, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Djokovic is going to win another one. Or like you know, it's, yeah, yeah. There's, so there's that, and so you know, like sportsmen, what conversations you have between your ears plays a huge partner. Yeah, you know, like there's something. Not all performers, but I think a lot of performers, and certainly I'm in that category, have gone through periods of going, I'm in this because I want to be loved. I'm in this because I need validation or I need attention. I need to be the center of attention or whatever that is. So there's an insecurity that is there and a vulnerability that is there. And you're in an industry where you get rejected a lot. You know, I've got, I've had lots of great lead (laughs) roles, but I've auditioned for far more than I haven't got. So like... Being vulnerable, being insecure, needing validation, all those things play a huge part in what we do. That's a real recipe for a mind fuck. Like, yeah. Right? <laughs> so, it's a to, hard industry. <laughs> yeah. To work out how to get past that and to know that, you know, I'm not perfect, but I am enough. You know, I love myself unconditionally. Mm. I'm going to go out there and make mistakes 
I'm going to go out there and do things that weren't the best version of, that I'm capable of and I'm still enough. That's a long process to get through. Yeah. yeah. Like that takes a lot of years. Yeah. And a lot of work. So that's it. Like that's a sort of whole other part that's secondary to the work of just the skill, the work of the mind. And, and then when you get through that work, I think, and you dissolve a lot of that, you get to get into the heart and the soul and really what makes us feel when we go to the theatre or to a concert or whatever is when a performer is transcendent, when they're beyond the technicalities and the thoughts of their mind and they're just coming from someplace within them and it's, it's what's in them that we're feeling mm. and that takes us to somewhere else and that's real storytelling and mm. whether that's through song or dance or words, that's the beauty of the arts. So it's such a process to get through to that you know, to get inside yourself, to be able to be open enough to share that and get beyond what's going on in the mind. I love yeah. that so much. I always found with ballet for so, like for the years that I did it and it, I didn't even, you know, continue the career for that long, but I always found the performers I loved the most weren't always the most technically correct exactly. dancers. It was the ones who danced with so much heart that you didn't even watch what else they were doing. You were just so captivated in their performance. Yes. And especially without the capacity to sing or to say words, like everything was with their body. It was never the ones who were like had the best point or the best arch or the best turnout. I mean, obviously they had that too, but it was, yeah, the ones who were like so lost in the storytelling. It's interesting that you say it does take a lot to get there. Yeah, and it is the balance in those very technical crafts of things that are very classical, which require more technique in a way, you know, ballet or opera or more classical musical theatre or classical dance. It's this, the dance is, is sometimes between the heart and the soul and the story and the technicality and you can't totally lose the technique and you know start just doing whatever you want out there as a singer or a dancer you have to have that but for those two things to coexist mm. the, the heart and that te technique that's something that takes a lot of years and refinement and I think one thing I really want to touch on with you is even talking about relationships and the fact that like your one joy, like I think something that we talk about a lot on the show is finding your ultimate joy and, and going after that and letting go of conventional ideas of success and mm. financial metrics and all that kind of stuff. But we don't often touch on the fact that sometimes multiple joys conflict. Yes. Like personal joy and career joy, sometimes they're not going in the same direction. No, and that has often been the case for me. And then when your identity is your work, well, which it's is a not. privilege, as in, as in it's a privilege to enjoy your work yeah. so much. I've, I've had to work very yeah, long so hard to go, the identity is not the work. So that is definitely what I want to talk to you about. But before we do that, I just want to finish the timeline of oh, going yes. from someone who had written, and I think this is so exciting, I read an interview that you did ages ago where someone asked what your dream role was and you said the Phantom in the Phantom of the Opera. Yeah. And to see you doing that now, like you physically answered that in an interview and then to be there now to have done it at the Sydney Opera House, like there is no higher pinnacle than having achieved the goal that you wrote down and to do it in like the most prestigious arena that there is in this country. Yeah. But in between there, you've had so many different things. You've recorded an album. You toured with an international group. Like you've been part of the Ten Tenors. You've done so many different musicals. You've had a PT business in between. Yeah. Like it is not a straight line. No, 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 no. So not a... how did you get there? And what yeah. does it feel like to have gotten there now? <laughs> yeah. So how did I get there? Like a quick sort of summary, I guess. After graduating from Ballarat with a, a major in musical theatre, Bachelor of Arts Musical Theatre, I auditioned for Tokyo Disney. Did you? I did. 
And, a particular uh, character or just? No, they had like a s- sort of Broadway jazz style show called Big Band Beat, oh. which had a full big band and some singers and dancers and then Mickey and Minnie and Daisy, I think, did some stuff. Mickey played the drums Cute. and tap dance. It was really cool. So, I did that like almost five times a day, five days a week, t- two to five times a day. So, 20 something shows a week uh, for the best part of nine months. And then, so that was really good training for repeat effort. Yeah. You know, like at uni, the most shows we ever did, I think was like 10. So, like in nine months, doing 20 shows a week, like, you know, someone do the math. It's, and at it, Disney level excitement. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Hi. Yeah, it's a lot. It's like 600 shows or something. It's like it's sort of Whoa. crazy. So, like it's, it's nuts. And so, did that. And then not long after that, joined the 10 Tenors. Had a couple of years there, but really missed acting. So, right. I felt like at Disney and at 10 Tenors, it was a lot of sort of, I didn't play a character. I didn't get to transcend into a role and become that that human and, yep. and find the heart of that human and the soul of that human. So, I, I, I had an experience during the 10 Tenors where I auditioned for Phantom over video and then was subsequently flown to Copenhagen where the director was at that time. It was a successful audition for the 2007 to 9 production with Anthony Wallow. So, I got the no role to way. understudy the Phantom and understudy Raul, who's the other character, and couldn't get out of the contract. So, it's sort of like that was my first journey really with Phantom being successful. It's actually also the first show I auditioned for out of uni but didn't get it. Okay. So, yeah. it's like, so you've had this long history. This like, yeah, it is like wow. eluded me and all this sort of stuff, which makes it all the more sweet and special. Yeah. And then, yeah, quit the group so I could audition for West Side Story, really. Yeah. I knew that if I wanted to do musicals, I couldn't be in the group. I couldn't like do sort both. of have this like contract running and go and yeah. do that and then just go and audition <laughs> something and then just say bye-bye. So I quit the group, auditioned for West Side Story on a on a risk, so like a financial risk there, like yeah. and got the role of Tony, that's just the the main role in that. Did that 2010-11, did another show here for a little bit that bombed, went over the UK, did hairspray. <laughs> then that's when my dad got diagnosed oh. with, with cancer, came back, and in that time I was married and it was really affecting my relationship, my transience and whatever. And I was like, I'm a bit burnt out i sort of haven't stopped since i moonwalked yeah you know like yeah. it's just been this constant, constant like 2002 yeah. to 2013 a constant just steam train like a bullet train just going towards you know climbing the ladder of the mountain of success or whatever that meant to me i didn't really know yeah it just was m- more and more validation i think for me yeah and i just had i was just burnt out i just had to stop so i was like i've got to be in melbourne i want this relationship to work I'm going to try something else. So, I started my PT course. I knew a lot of people in the theatre industry by then and thought I could specialise in training people in that world. Mm-hmm. And it quickly developed. Once again, I sort of bullet trained it. Like, <laughs> I love it you did nothing halfway. It's just yeah, like, yeah. bang. <laughs> and I've learned that I have to do things in different ways now because yeah. that doesn't always work. So, I just developed this huge clientele list that was too big for one person, took on someone else to help me out. And we're just working at a facility in St Kilda. And then it's like, you know what? Screw it. Fuck it. I'm going to open up a studio. I did. And it was called Pit Fit. And, you know, it was like a, it was sort of really one of the first sort of functional training studios, I think, like that we didn't have machines. And this is sort of 2014. See, I think I knew you then. Oh, right. Because I remember Pit Fit. Did you know Nick for ages? Did you go to Baroque? Is that how you knew Nick? 
I don't know. I don't, I don't. Maybe Nick came and trained. I don't know, but I yeah. feel like I he definitely I didn't have definitely a stop on if you did. I, yeah. I mean, does he ever? No. The cotton allergy is oh, like thriving. You got it. Um, <laughs> I, I definitely remember Pit Fit. Yeah. So I feel okay. like I knew you since then. Okay. I don't know how, but somehow. Somehow. So that sort of did its thing, and then we realized we could expand beyond just the music theater world and have a general public th- pop thing, and it it was a. Yeah, it was a sort of more fun take on on fitness. We used a lot of games and stuff for for Walmart. We were getting pool noodles out and doing all sorts <laughs> of like really fun things that yeah, yeah. like took your mind out of the idea that you were training and into idea of play and fun, and which is what the theatre world is. So we used theatre games and all sorts of stuff. It was really, really fun. But then we got into the nitty gritty of it and the kettlebells are out and all the other things were out that sort of are now standard practice yeah. and are now butch. But yeah. then they were like, we made a camp, basically. Um, <laughs> Exercise, but make it musical theatre. 100%. There were black, <laughs> colourful blackboards around the studio. It was really fun and I had a great time doing it. But after a while, I just was hungry to perform again. Yeah, so, I can't imagine a performer off the stage for so long. Yeah, it was, it was probably maybe 18 months and I was just like, can't do this anymore. So I auditioned for a production of Blood Brothers here, which is like a beautiful British show. I did that uh, at a theatre in St Kilda and I just had a great time and then my agent at the time said, hey, would you audition for Cats? And I was like, yeah. And my wife at the time was like, things weren't going that well and the idea of going back into musicals, I don't think was great for us. And So anyway, I did audition for it and it was sort of like probably the the last nail in a coffin for us. So that was really, really hard. And, you know, over time, you know, that we'd be able to like, Form a friendship again, which is really nice. But oh, that's um, yeah, which is great. So I'm did, sure at that time, very difficult. Yeah, really <laughs> difficult. So I did did cats for the best part of a year or so, and then did a couple of other productions. That's when I started to bring brought out an album. I've always wanted to do an album in the st- in grabbing pop songs, reorchestrating them, ripping them apart, translating some of them to other more classical speaking languages, Spanish, Italian, whatever else. Worked with good mate John Foreman, who people would know from. Carols by Candlelight and various things. He's a great Aussie producer and musical director and conductor. Went over to Prague with that and used their Philharmonic Orchestra, which is incredible. Just created a real oh. European thing. And then the, the rock band who were on it to make those pop songs still sound poppy and rocky were from here. And so, like, I covered, like, Goo Goo Dolls and Farnham and Radiohead and things that you would never really... Hear an operatic yeah, voice yeah. sing. So, yeah, so it was like so a real combination. Cool. Yeah, it was really fun. Um, and that sort of led to other opportunities in that space. I did another musical called Beautiful about the life of Carol King. And then really off the back of that album, I got this great opportunity from John uh, Foreman to sing Ness and Dorma, which is like everyone's sort of the most well-known aria. every time. Yeah. Every time. Bum, bum, ba, dum, bum, ba, da, dum. Everyone sort of knows it. At the Australia Day live concert out the front of the Sydney Opera House with all the fireworks and the tens of thousand people there at the start of 2019. Oh, and I remember yes. when John asked me to do it, in my head, I was saying, no. Too big? It. Too big, too scary. <gasps> um, I, like, I can't possibly do that. It's on national TV. Had you, you know, sung it before? I, yeah, I'd sung it with the 10 tenors. I sung it many times, but I was just yeah. like, fear. I was yeah, like, yeah. And I was like, Josh, don't choose fear. Just, just don't choose fear. Like, and I just went, yep. And then so for the next six weeks, all I sung was Ness and Dorma. Like, just got it right into muscle memory. And so that no matter what, it couldn't fail out there. And it's still... You know, I look back on it and there's like imperfections in the performance, of course, but it is like one of the most heart-filled performances of Ness and Dorma. Like it is like 
<gasps> like it is so for me it's almost like an emancipation like yeah i could like my whole world changed in those three minutes that's incredible and then the producer phantom in london saw that cam- that performance yep Cameron mcintosh and angela they didn't see it live they saw video of it yeah we Cameron watched Mac- it last night oh really yeah Cameron McIntosh, Andrew Lloyd Webber saw it and they're like let's get him over for an audition for Phantom and then six months later I was playing the Phantom in the West End <gasps> um, crazy and then you know fast forward you know 200 performances COVID hit and then you know it's all sort of came crashing down and I felt like I'd climbed another Everest and fell off you know the edge of that and since my divorce I'd been meditating and sort of entered into that world of spirituality and really asking myself who I am, am I beyond what I do and, yeah, really going into the deep dive of self. Mm. But that was like, so I had enough self-awareness to go, ah, I'm just, I'm, I'm falling here, I'm descending. I could do that consciously and like make this a real time of like intense self-discovery. So COVID for me was I did my meditation teacher training. Did you? Yep, with one giant mind. Oh, I love Johnny. Johnny, of course. <gasps> Legend. Oh, I mean, who else? Yeah. Obvious. Uh, Obviously. <laughs> and, Incredible. And so, like, use that. I just want to learn more about meditation, not just as an active participant, but the deeper philosophies yeah. of it. So, I, I did that all through 2020 and also did a, a course with a guy called Asher Packman, who runs a lot of men's circles and does some really very, very deep work called The Warrior's Way, which goes into like Jungian psychology, takes on Joseph Campbell's hero's journey, which yeah. some people may or may not know, but look at it if you don't. But really, it's we go through the hero's journey individually all the time. But it's Star Wars and Luke Skywalker's journey is that. Harry Potter's journey is that. You know, it, ultimately, it's about you finding a guru in your life and crossing over a threshold of can I do this or not? Can I leave my safe space? space and go into the uncomfortable go into the uncomfortable have to find a guru find that guru learn some things face one's death in a way or the death of something like something has like to die in you and, yeah. yeah yeah and in order to come out of that a new like almost um repent in a way or apologize in a way for for what has has been to come back to where you were home uh, completely new and so we used a lot of myth and poetry and but it's in a group of 20 something guys all on zoom opening up and wow so you know mine was definitely the death of as an artist the validation and the attention and all of that like really acknowledging that and knowing that my best art is when i live beyond that and so like my obsession became in a course that was a lot about storytelling so about what what am I? I'm a storyteller. And that's what I love the most is finding character, feeling character, embodying character and telling that character story. So that meant that COVID became this wonderful learning experience for me. Almost didn't want it to end. It did end with, you know, starting back at Phantom. But what's been wonderful is I go, I've got, I can, after 200 shows in London, the subsequent couple of hundred shows I get to do here, I feel so much more embodied and so much That's I can so interesting. So so much deeper into the man because of of what for many people was a devastating time and it was and people died and it's been awful and they still are. It's it's shocking. But for me it was actually a time of great learning and self discovery. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I think that's so incredibly representative of a lot of people's conflict between knowing it was like 
one of the worst times humanity has ever been through, but a lot of people finding this clarity, clarity. in the breakdown to breakthrough kind of like yep. such a cliche. But what I think CZA was for me before the pandemic was about trying to create a COVID-like shedding of everything, like just helping people realize that they're often chasing things. They don't even know what they're chasing. They don't even know what success is or what happiness is or whether they're following attention, external stimulus, whether they're doing it because they want to, because they love to, because they're good at it. Like people don't even know what their motivation is. They were just doing it because of momentum. And I was sort of trying to say like, you don't, you shouldn't need a breakdown to reevaluate those things. How can we maybe engineer these revelations a little bit earlier for you so that because most people it only happens when your life breaks down in some way that you have this we need a crisis yeah you have this rock bottom moment and then you get this clarity and I was sort of like how can we learn from that happening to other people to maybe make you reevaluate your metrics for measuring your life without that and then COVID happened and it was like well you all get a clean slate here's a clean slate here's a clean slate well it's collective crisis you know so it it was great for that and we all reestablished well or just established deeper connections to things beyond the identities that we were living with. So, you know, oh, my God, if I go walk barefoot in nature or if I watch a sunset, I feel fantastic. What is is that? And so we go, oh, well, that's just being. Yeah. What's being? Oh, I'm a human being. That must be good because what I've been doing is human doing (laughs) for so long. And and, and and, and, And that's something I spent a great day with Ben Crow once, if you know Ben Crow, Mojo Crow. He's he's a... He's a very mindful man, but um, he, he's the mindset coach for lots of people in sport and in corporate world now. And so I spent a day with him, and and that's something he talks about a lot that we we suffer from human doing itis. <laughs> and it's you know, <laughs> so when things come from a place of being, you feel fantastic. And so COVID did help that in a way. Like we got back to. That. To those basic Sadly, I think we're like losing it now. Oh, yeah, again. 100%. We've all and, gone straight back to yeah, momentum. <laughs> but how do we find that balance? And how do we go, when I feel a lack of clarity, when I feel hazy, or I feel overwhelmed, or I feel anxious, or I feel all these things, what was it that brought me out of that in COVID? Mm. It was stopping. It was being. It was connecting to nature. It was connecting in another way to people we love on a deep level. It was sharing how you really feel mm. it was all those things that yeah non-suppressive things that really help us to to open up and just be who we are yeah, yeah. absolutely i f- still find it incredibly difficult to keep that awareness and balance because i love my work so the doing is also joyful and is yeah. also being because i enjoy it so much which then means that i s- sometimes forget even though i talk about this whole point of the show is this concept and i still forget play outside of my vocation needs to also have a role 100% and so because you know you're day to day you're doing shows every day and Mm -hmm. I I feel like something else about this show is that one person's joy is another person's nightmare but you just need to stick to what lights you up because who cares what anyone else thinks totally some people would think doing the same show the same songs the same performance every night would be like the worst thing in the entire world but I imagine as a performer it's like the stage is the stage. Like I never got bored. No, not at all. It might be the same songs. It's not the same performance. Yeah, like I never got bored of doing the same yeah. choreography ever. No, there's always a nuance. There's always something to feel. And it's always a new day. You know, sometimes I have a different Christine who's the other, the female lead to play off. There's always newness and there's always something fresh to find. And I'm always, I go out there and play. It is a play. It has music in it. But yeah. it's a play. Like, <laughs> so go out there and, and play. And I think as adults, I think we've like, like, Lost the ability but, to yeah. play. But actually what made us discover and, um, and and learn and grow and expand as children 
was play. So I'm always up for the play and I bring, try and bring play into lots of other things in my life. And I think that's why, you know, one of the classes of PitFit was called play. That's amazing. Yeah, play is a huge part of my life and it keeps me, I think, more authentically me because when I think about, you know, who I am, there's something I definitely chat about with, with Ben at the time, like who I am beyond the doing. Like I joy, I'm joyful, I'm cheeky, I'm affectionate. Mm. They're three things that I think you offer up in the moment you start playing. In your playing. performance. Well, in performance, but in play. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like when I play, I'm always joyful. I'm always cheeky, affectionate, may, may or may not be, but like it comes from a place of love. Yeah. So like bringing that being into what I do, that's where I think what you're saying is really prevalent or really connected because I am connecting those, the being and the, and the doing. You're probably doing the same. And you look so like every time I've ever seen you sing, you look so thrilled to be there like you just look so stoked because i'm like, just so stoked because i also realize especially after covid the impermanence of it all yeah you know it's just not gonna last so you have to enjoy it while it's there yeah like yeah. i mean, like some people think it's really black i think about death all the time really yep all the time because i think about it retrospectively because i now because i don't want to think about it retrospectively when i'm 80 yeah, or actually, 90 it's or whatever. true. You don't I'll, want to I'll have go, regrets because you never yeah, thought about your mortality. I want to think about the preciousness of life. I want to mm. think about really enjoying and owning the moment. I want to think about what sort of legacy I'm going to lead, what sort of relationships I have, what sort of memories I want to create. So I, I'm doing that now so that when I hit 90, I go, oh, God, I wish I... I wish, yes. I wish. I don't want any wishes. Yeah. I, I want to live the wish now as much as possible. So oh, all that does is create fuckloads of gratitude for them. <laughs> I'm doing right now. So, yeah, I mean, the carols the other week was the first time I've done carols by candlelight. That's always been like on. Is that the, the first time? Yeah. But I was like, look yes, how stoked you are right now. Uh, this is awesome. <laughs> I'm like, you know, I'm just singing, I'm singing Song of Joy with a bit of phantom vibes behind us. So I'm loving that combo. And like, sea of 10,000 people or whatever. And sure, it's like, you know, it's in a million homes around Australia. I'm just like, this is so cool. And I, I'm Jewish, but I love Christmas. Yeah. Like I peak for Christmas. You can do Christmaka. A lot of people do that. I just do full Christmas. Yeah, I, okay. I don't even, I don't even <laughs> have the Hanukkah. Like no, there's no, there's no dreidels. There's no yeah. Hanukkah. It's just Christmas. Yeah, yeah. fun. Yeah. Throw fun. on the buble. Throw on the bing. Throw on all the Ella. I think buble is like one of the people you would love to sing with. Have you ever I, sung with him? I mean, you'd know about it if I sung yeah, with Yeah, I know. I'm like. So, what's <laughs> happened in your life? I sung with Bublé. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> just wear a T-shirt. Just right, yeah. I sang with Bublé. Yeah, gets rid of the tattoo and puts Bublé across yeah. his mouth. <laughs> we can turn that into a Bublé face somehow. Sure. Michael, if you're listening. I have so many more questions, oh my God, but I think I said it would be half an hour and it's already been an hour because there's just so much to talk about. Two questions to finish with. One on what we were talking about was because you have so much joy in what you do, do you have any play or any joys outside of, like, do you sing pop in your spare time? Do you so, do things that are not musical theatre related? Yes. So, all the time do I sing another, like, I impersonate all the time. Okay. So Singing or just talking? Singing and talking, but mainly singing. So, like, we have to do a, a mic check before every act of the show. So, before act one and before act two. And so, we have to go to the sound booth and there's always a word of the day. So, like... <laughs> Let's say the word was better. I would immediately be like, can't find a better man. <laughs> like, I have to like always yeah. do that. Yeah. You can't just say better. You can't just never. Yeah. If the word was hitching, I'd yeah. be like, right. like, I'd have to do it. Like, I always impersonate. Yeah. And I think that's actually 
always have always impersonated. It's probably why I've got can sing classically because I was just probably just impersonating like people your whole life. <laughs> great classical singers or why I croon. I can croon quite well like Sinatra and all that because I'm just like impersonating a bit of Buble and a bit of Sinatra and a bit of Elvis in there and wise man sings. Oh so all of it. Yeah, like I can just millions of voices. I'm always doing voices. Do you do anything that's not musical? Like do you just have Absolute. Do you binge Netflix? Do you like do oh, puzzles or anything? Binge net, not puzzles. Binge Netflix. The shit out of it. Like I listen to a lot of different music. I do love a lot of music. Yeah. Do you listen um, to classical music? Or do you? Yeah, listen yeah. I listen to, to like literally like, everything. Okay. Like you know, I'll listen to Tracy Chapman, and then I'll listen to like you know NWA. And okay, then so you have a weird like, Spotify like it's playlist. Like <laughs> so vast. Sport is a huge one for me. Still, yeah. Okay. Massive. Like you know, like just throw on the BBL. Throw on, like, I watch every ball of a test match. Love cricket. Amazing. Love tennis. Love Aussie rules so, so much. Like, can ju- like, can just sit there over a weekend and watch all nine games of a round. Like, ev- yeah, every moment. So, yeah, I'm sort of nuts on, on sport. That's probably my thing. And then it's just social and having great conversations with people. Love Obviously, the, the mindfulness world is big. Like, yeah. after I leave you, I'm off to have an ice bath. So I, lo- I love ice baths. I had Wim Hof on the show. What? I know. Fully in, let it go. <laughs> one more serious question. Yes. because And I should have asked this earlier. I just forgot to ask it. I think one thing with the arts and also I think in our generation generally, I think we have come from a place where masculinity looks very much a certain way in Australia. Oh, God, it's horrible. To, I mean, it's, pr- it's pretty archaic. To now, I think the conversation has been changing a lot. Men's mental health, men's circles, like men having any kind of vulnerability whatsoever. Yeah. But I think it's slowly becoming more encouraged, more accepted. And the, the men look come in lots of different ways. Lots of different ways. And that yeah. it's not a weakness to show emotion, that it's oh not God, that fun. they have, you know, the same mental health needs and challenges as women, that if if not more because they don't ventilate them because yeah, it's, yeah. So, it's still stigmatized, like all all that kind of stuff. Have you ever found in musical theatre that your concept of your masculinity, you're wearing makeup every day and mm-hmm. and since a time when it wasn't as open a conversation about what masculinity means, mm-hmm. was that ever a challenge for you? It was a challenge right at the start. When yeah. I decided that I didn't want to like spend as much time on the footy field and I want to go and do musicals and all of that. Yeah, it was quite a drastic change. Yeah, but like so that was what I call PG, like yeah. you know, we have before Christ. Oh yes, we have pre Glee. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yes. And, and so yeah, great. Glee was a great way of of normalizing straight boys or yeah. men in singing and dancing and doing all that. But I was I was PG, and so, so that I was, was just, a harder time than yeah. Post-Glee. I was like. <laughs> Yeah, yo, you fucking poofta, you fucking gay, you fucking yeah. like, and just oh, you fair going to that, like, just constant. And it was like to a point where I'm going to be really open about this. I came out as bisexual to a whole group of mates just to stop getting shit because I've it was ne- easier. Because it was easier. I've never been into guys. I've kissed a guy once in an audition and once in a scene study at uni. Never otherwise wow. been attracted or you know like. But it was just literally like just to stop like get asking. off my back, yeah. you know. Oh my because God. I thought that would like, like mm. a, oh well, well if that's what it, that's what it is, then that's well, fine. Then, yeah, well, then we're not gonna give him shit, right? So like, so <laughs> like it so was backwards. just so so ridiculous. That was two thousand and two, two thousand three. But since then, no, like high school mates would still like 
you know, give me shit or throw stuff at me. I was like, whatever. Throw like, stuff at you. Like, no, th- like throw shade. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I know, I know. And, and so, <laughs> Not like, like literal chairs. I think it's so, so much better now. I still think our representation in, in media, in sports media, I hate to say it as much as I love sport, needs to be to have more diverse men mm. in those positions so mm. that we, we see the full, like, like um, spectrum of a man. Yeah. yeah. Yep. And the full yeah, palette of colors that is, it is to be human. We live in a really binary world at the moment. You know, are you pro-Trump, are you anti-Trump? Or you're like, you know, there's no middle grounds on a lot of things. But on what it is to be human, the complexity of hum- humanity can't be black and white. We yeah. need to see all the colors. So we need to see our men being all different colors in the spotlight. And I'm glad that my friends who are in that space are that. Like, I, you know, I, I'm thinking of Rob Mills, who's a great mate of mine. Oh, I love Rob. He was like the last episode last year. Yeah. Millsy love is him. such a fantastic representation of that. And I love that Millsy gets much more airtime now and hosts things or is a guest on the project or whatever. And we see that. We see a guy who loves his, his footy and is happy to, you know, have a masculine energy. He's happy to step into his feminine energy and all the things in between. Mm. He can be camp at times. He can, you know, just, you know, pull a few beers at times like it, it can be all the things yeah and his book is fantastic for that if people oh. haven't haven't read it it's it's really wonderful and um, a great gateway into that that world so 100%. i think there's room for improvement yeah absolutely yeah, on the path but room for improvement absolutely well very last question yes what is your favorite quote oh, well there's there's so many <laughs> but um, asking someone who likes quotes it's such a hard so, question <laughs> so so many but i'm gonna Go with two Rumi quotes. I love Rumi. We love Rumi and we love all the Sufi poets of that that time. We do. One is the cure for the pain is in the pain. (gasps) Love it. Yep. And the other one is you have to keep breaking your heart until it opens. Oh, I love that. So they're my two. They're beautiful. Beautiful. Thanks, Rumi. And I feel like any theory of joy like I'm so like find the silver lining everything's happy but I also feel like any theory of happiness and joy and good things has to take account of like the darkness and the shadows and the pain that it takes to get there like if everything was all happy that would become neutral and there'd be no color there'd be no contrast and you don't grow when you're happy and chilling and everything goes to plan like you don't become a better person in those times you enjoy them and you have a great time but that's not where you find who you are and what you want and what the next chapter is and I love so much about you that you're on this perpetual journey and I think a lot of people find what makes them really happy like the career you're in now and then they become like this static image like I found happiness I found success I'm going to chill here for the rest of ever yeah but you have this great sense of like no I'm always learning I'm always on momentum and I really try and encourage this idea of your joy as a jigsaw puzzle that is constantly adding more pieces getting rid of pieces that don't work anymore it's not like this painting on the wall that you leave and it stays there forever it's like oh I love that one day you might not want to sing anymore or one day you might want to like I'm Who like knows? seeing this, the whole skyscape of whatever it is that the jigsaw puzzle is of. Yeah. Um, I'm going with the skyscape. It's yeah. just continually expanding, expanding, expanding. Yeah. I, oh, I love and that. And then one day you're just like, you know what? Those pieces don't like them anymore over there, but I'll replace them with some new ones. Yeah. Yeah. yeah a new building. A new building. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, just quickly. Hi, everyone. We want to thank you all for showing up in full force to see the Phantom of the Opera. We're thrilled to announce that Phantom is now the highest attended show ever. 
at the Art Center Mel. Yay! Oh my gosh! Did that just come out then? Yeah. <gasps> Congrats! What the fuck? Yeah. And it was the quickest selling show to sell out the Sydney Opera House ever. So oh. people really love oh, Phantom. <gasps> yeah. Congratulations. Thanks. I'm really stoked with that. And you know what? I'm like, I'm really stoked with, you know, obviously the production is fantastic and everyone in it is fantastic. And everyone who works on it is wonderful. But like that people have like been waiting for the arts to like reemerge and, and like this, like to be a, such a huge part of a renaissance of arts in this country yes. after like it being by the wayside for 18 months with COVID. Just to know that Australia actually does love it is oh, awesome. So What stats? Like that's insane. Yeah, insane. So it's fantastic. Well, thank you so much for joining. How long is the Phantom on? Until February the 18th. Okay. Oh, my God. Yeah. And how many are you doing? Are you supposed to be doing every single one? Like, yeah, yeah, pretty much. Whoa. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Always. Yeah, yeah. Really? Yep. Eight a week. Yeah, unless some Eight sick. a week? Yep. That's what I do. That's well, the job. How is your skin like that? You wear so much makeup. Coconut oil. Really? I take my makeup off with coconut oil and I use something called Skin Food by... Volida. Volida. I'm sure right. it's German. Volida. Yes. Yeah. Your skin is amazing. Thanks, Dallas. Literally when I wear makeup every night for three nights in a row, it's just... And half the makeup you wear. Like Yeah, but in mine's not just... It's like spirit gum and gloom and all that sort of stuff. Keep the prosthetics on. It's vile, but it's... It's vile. <laughs> But, but you work it on TikTok. Where can we thanks. follow you also? At Josh Pitterman on Instagram and at Josh Pitterman on the talk. Oh, on the talk. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, one T in Pitterman, one T, one N. One T, one N. Yeah. Yeah, my brain's like still in like January mode. I'm like, what does that even mean? Oh, one T, one N. Yeah. And I will include the link to tickets to the Phantom so you can go and see Josh live in action. Thanks so much. Ooh, thanks for having me, Sarah. Thank you so much. Slow. What a fascinating human being and incredible voice. Oh my gosh, the way he just opens his mouth and sings that way, it's insane. As promised, I will put the links to Josh's pages and the Phantom tickets and highly recommend that you go and see him if you can. As usual, please shower Josh with some neighborhood love for so generously giving us his time and very precious voice and share tagging at Josh Pitterman and us so we can keep growing the neighborhood as far and wide as possible. Meanwhile, Melbourne family, pop February 16th in your calendars and stay tuned for more. I hope you're having an amazing day and are seizing your yay.